Hello and welcome to the Marketing Meetup podcast. My name's Joe Glover. Today we've got a bit of a treat. We've got the CMO of Redgate Software, Ben Reese. Redgate is a 400-person software company based in Cambridge, but with also offices in Australia, America, and many, many countries throughout the world. Ben spends his time uh, in this particular episode explaining what product marketing really is and what product marketers are to Redgate in particular. It's a really interesting talk because it's something that as someone who hasn't spent their time in a professional uh, product marketing role, it's not something I gave an awful lot of thought to, but it's got a lot of uh, parallels and a lot of uh, elements which are very familiar to me, but I never associated with a particular role. By the end of this talk, I was really convinced that not only did Redgate clearly know what they were doing, but there was a role out there with quite a specific part of marketing, which when implemented really well, uh, could provide a, a real amount of intelligence for the rest of the marketing department to operate on. I was really quite inspired by this talk and I hope you will be too. There's two things I need to do before I pass you over to Ben. The first is to say a big thank you to Baz. Baz is a friend, he's a peer, he's a mentor in some ways and just like a complete legend. Baz runs a company called Bravo Marketing. They match up creativity to business results. That's what he does. He doesn't do creativity for creativity's sake. He drives results from his creativity. Imagine your creative director being parachuted in when you need one. If you'd like to know more about Baz, you need to head to bravomarketing.co.uk and I'd really encourage you to do so. The other person I want to say a big thank you to is Sam from Columba. Columba match agencies to clients. You take in their brief and uh, you brief Columba and they'll match up an agency to what you need. The advantage here is you get an agency for the project you need and come with a natural recommendation, but you also gain the speed of not having to go through a process of having to find the person yourself. It's a system that just really seems to make sense. With all that said and done, I'm gonna pass over to Ben. Really hope you enjoy the talk and I'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, it's a bit of a strange talk, this one. What is product marketing? Um, and the reason it's slightly strange is it's very reasonable to ask, um, why on earth do you need to have a talk about what is product marketing? And the reason it's slightly strange is I wouldn't come up here and give a talk about I don't know, what is email marketing? What is uh, social media marketing? You know, it's a room full of marketers, these things are known. So why on earth are we giving a, why am I giving a talk about what is product marketing? So I've got a couple of slides on that. The first one, this is, it's hard to see of course, but it's, this is, um, there's a really great website called the Product Marketing Alliance, which is kind of a, a kind of a global group to, for, for product marketers. And they have a job page on there. And if you look through the jobs, um, Almost every single job is either sort of Bay Area or Boston or New York. And there's a couple of jobs on the bottom right, which are uh, London, I think somewhere, another one in the UK somewhere. But that's the first point is it's actually a job which is kind of really rare and hard to find in the UK. Whereas if you, if you worked in the States, everybody go, yeah, product marketer, we know exactly what that is. It's not a problem. So that's the first thing uh, about why I think it's worth giving a talk about what it is. Um, there's a second thing, again, this group, the Product Marketing Alliance. Um, so they ran a survey asking product marketers, 
about their jobs, everything from salary to roles and everything. And one of their questions was, um, what are the top frustrations being a product marketer? And you'd hope it'd be something like, I don't know, budgets or understanding strategy or whatever. But of course, their number one thing is people don't get what the job is, what the roles and responsibilities are. And it tells you something, it's quite, it's an, it tells you something about a role where the number one frustration is people don't get what that role is. Uh, I mean, for me, that tells you something about the newness of the role. I mean, this isn't something that's been around a long time. So that's also why I think it's quite an interesting subject. The third reason, um, so this is a picture of a Greek supermarket. And the reason I've got a picture of a Greek supermarket is, um, so when I was doing this role a few years ago, I was in a supermarket in Greece and, um, and the guy behind the counter sort of asked, uh, what do you do, what's your job? And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. At that moment, you wish you were a nurse, a doctor, a teacher, <laughs> and you just go, nurse. And everybody knows what a nurse is around the world. And I said, I'm a product marketer. And he said, oh, could you just <laughs> explain that a bit more? Uh, anyway, about 10, 15 minutes later, where I was as confused <laughs> as the guy behind the counter, um, the whole thing was just an absolute disaster. And again, it's this kind of clue that you're trying to describe a role which isn't really obvious, isn't really clearly defined. So that's why I think it's worth talking about what is product marketing. Uh, so before I go on to what I think product marketing is, I just want to go through a little bit about what it isn't. So there's a few things that it isn't. So product management, I don't know if these job titles are kind of used differently, but a product management role is um, much more, of, it is more of a technical role. You tend to be working very closely with development teams and so on, uh, and a product market doesn't tend to be that. And I'll talk a little bit more about the difference in a moment. Uh, a growth hacker, um, these are lots of job titles which, which mean lots of different things, but for me a growth hacker is a bit more of a, um, a heavily use of data to drive certain tactics, which again isn't really what this role is about, which I'll explain in a moment. Um, so Redgate, this is a really important point actually, it's a really interesting point that Joe made at the start about the size of the company you work for. So if you work at, I mean I've worked at a company of three people, two or three depending on how well we're doing, um, and when you're the marketing person at a three person company you do literally everything. So I spent my time, um, shows how old I am, I spent my time sort of getting stickers centred on CDs with the little machine. <laughs> if anybody remembers this stuff. But you do everything from that to recruitment to getting the kind of, uh, getting the sort of office supplies. You do everything as a marketer in a two person. It's not that, it's, it's quite a specific targeted role. It's not pure demand gen. Um, this is quite an interesting problem. So doing, so lead and demand generation, which is a really, really key part of any marketing department. That isn't, even though, even though part of the way a product market is measured is, is related to demand gen, that's not really what the job is. It's more of a strategic role. And it's not a project manager. And the reason I put this is, and I, I apologize to people who are project managers in the room, I don't want to sort of denigrate this role, but certainly this role can be one where you're trying to collaborate with lots of people around the business and get various things to happen, various sort of projects to happen. Uh, and that's really, really important, a really important part of the role. But um, what can often be missed is what's the real sort of value that you're adding? What's the really smart thing that you're doing, which is improving your business other than just sort of coordinating different departments? And that can sometimes happen with this role. So what it is. Uh, so what I've done is I've done a couple of standard definitions from the industry, and then I've put what Redgate do. Uh, so what did it? So the first one, I just so I don't know how many people here have worked with serious decisions much in the past. One or two. Um, so serious decisions are this. Um, they're an amazing company who are specialists in 
marketing and sales, particularly I'd say they are more B2B rather than B2C, but they're an organization who know how B2B marketing organizations really work. They've got templates, they've got best practice for every part of marketing, not just product marketing, but every part of marketing. Uh, and the way they describe product marketing is it's the, it's the group who are responsible for the go-to-market success. And it's based fundamentally on an understanding of buyers uh, and the buyer's needs, uh, and they work out what their go-to-market strategy is, i.e. how do we take this product to market? And it is largely an external-facing role, so your time should be spent with customers, with buyers, people like that. So that's the first definition. And I look for, and, and I really trust Sirius because they do, they, they spend a lot of time working these things out. But I thought, I wonder if there's some corroborating evidence. So the next company we went to, there's another really great company, a software company called Drift. Um, and they describe product marketing as the process of bringing a product to market, essentially another way of describing the go-to-market strategy, and overseeing its overall success. And there's a good point here about, it mentions about um, they do drive demands, but the point about this, and this is what I'll go into in an example, that demand is based on an understanding of the market and the customers. So it's basically a strategic role um, rather than sort of a more tactical role. And what do we say at Redgate? So this is a quote from Kate Duggan, who's our sort of head of portfolio marketing. Um, the way we describe it at Redgate, your number one priority is understanding buyers and the markets inside out. Um, so you can develop positioning, content, and strategies. And I'll talk about these in a little bit more detail. Um, and although we talk about this, this need to collaborate with lots of people internally, that's not the key reason for why you have the job. The key reason you have the job is to understand the buyers, understand the market, and work out the go-to-market strategy. And you can see, uh, and you can see it's really interesting uh, listening to, to Joe's intro, actually, that you can see why this is a role that you tend to have at a large organization. When you're working at a company of three or four people, you're not going to have product marketers. It's the sort of, I mean, Redgate's now got 50 people working in marketing out of a company of 350 to 400 now. So we're at a size where we have this sort of role. So what does that mean practically? What does that mean practically? And I've got a bit, I've got an example, as I say, where I go through each of these things. But at Redgate, when we talk about product marketing, we mean positioning. And I'll talk a bit about what positioning really is. Um, there's an interesting quote here from, we, we've worked with a, um, I think for me, the world expert in positioning, uh, somebody called April Dunford, who says positioning has a positioning problem, and I'll describe why that's, uh, why that's a thing. Uh, market sizing, what is, the size, what is the market you're going after? Which segment are you going after? Um, this is very much related to positioning, because as I'll mention, I'll just talk about in a moment, the point about positioning is choosing a market that you're going after. Competitor research, so you've chosen the market, who are the competitors in that market? Uh, the buyer personas, who are the people who are actually making the decisions about, um, uh, about purchasing your product? Then the messaging and the story and the narrative that goes that, which is different to positioning. The main confusion that people get about positioning is it's not about the messaging and the story. Uh, and then sales enablement. So this is all well and good. This is all really, really interesting. But unless your salespeople, uh, and that includes the website too, unless the website and the salespeople understand what you're trying to do, it doesn't really make much sense. So what I wanted to do is give a worked example. The problem with this worked example is it's from Redgate. And if you don't know our world and our market, it's a little bit, <laughs> it's a little bit difficult because we don't sell sort of something really um, sort of simple and obvious because it's B2B, but I'll do my best. So what we have is a very, well, you don't need to sort of understand all the details of this stuff, but this is how we present everything that our company does. And we have this kind of top level um, message uh, we've got sort of certain um, sort of taglines on that. We've, we've divided our 
offerings into these aren't products. What these are are customer conversations. So we think about how we take our stuff to market based on what are the conversations we have with customers and what are the different conversations that we have. Um, and although this looks sort of quite simple, you know, it's just a few words, there's not much to it. This has actually taken, there's years of work to get to this level of simplicity. There's absolutely years of work behind this. So every single word that is on there, every single bit of iconography, the way we link those things together, the fact that it's a cog, uh, again, you have to sort of know the market, but the fact that it's a cog is incredibly relevant. The way those, the, the, the icons are incredibly, uh, the fact that obviously there's a database in each icon is a sort of really obvious thing, but every single word is based on extensive research with customers and understanding their needs. The reason I put this thing in on the right is, so this is from, uh, so this person I mentioned, April Dunford, who we've worked with a lot in the past, she's written a book on positioning and she did a case study of Redgate in it. And a point which I just want to pull out here at the bottom uh, if you can read it, is that um, through doing this work, we actually enormously increased inbound traffic. And often when people think about doing inbound marketing, they see it as quite a tactical affair. You know, what are the things we can do to sort of write particular blog posts, to sort of get our SEO better, et cetera, et cetera. But actually it's the, the sort of positioning and product marketing work you do before that, which is the thing which drives, and it led to sort of a doubling effectively of our inbound traffic because the things we were saying were the things that the customers cared about. And that's the sort of really difficult part. So I just want to work through these things. So positioning, so positioning is really difficult, right? So uh, uh, the best way I can describe positioning is, um, I think it's a Warren Buffett quote, which is, um, if I was asked to play, um, if I was asked how would I beat Gary Kasparov, um, my response, a, a chess grandmaster, my response would be I would play him at any game other than chess. And the point about that quote is positioning is about choosing your market and choosing a market in which you can win, choosing your competitors in which you can win. So don't play Kasparov but chess. Um, so for Redgate's point of view, just this is a worked example. We used to talk about we sell tools for developers, for people who work on database. But in there, in that phrase is all sorts of um, implications. So they're tools. You know, a tool is something you pay a few hundred pounds for, not something you pay a hundred thousand pounds for. Just in that word, there's all sorts of implications. For developers, you know, you sort of, you put these phrases out there, but if you say something, we are a tool for developers, that immediately tells anybody who's more senior in an organization, well, it's nothing of interest to me. Uh, and so there's all, all of these things are actually quite subtle about what market you're going after. We now talk about this thing, which is a database DevOps solution. But in that is, um, there was a lot of work which was, is it a market which is specific enough for you to dominate, but broad enough for future growth? It's a very, very difficult decision to go after. Uh, Redgate, we already had a very strong position. We already had lots and lots of customers who were doing this thing, but maybe they didn't know. So these sorts of decisions about which markets you're going after and why, and choosing your competitors. I mean, the point about choosing a competitor, uh, choosing your competitors is, Choose competitors that you know you can beat. <laughs> Don't go into markets where you're, you know, there's somebody who's obviously going to beat you. So that's the sort of trick of positioning, choosing the right market. Market sizing, we do an awful lot of work where we, you know, we try and assess who are our competitors. Again, this is the trick of, um, and the reason, the reason we do market sizing, it's not just about this sort of number of how, you know, how many dollars or how many pounds are spent. It's about this job of trying to work out um, 
if, if you are first in a market and you're winning in that market, the things that you should do as a marketing department are fundamentally different to if you're 10th in the market. I mean, if you're winning a market, don't talk about the competitors, <laughs> don't bring them up. You know, if you're seventh in a market, you're trying to beat competitors. Therefore, you're going to do work to try and you know, position yourself or portray yourself in a much stronger light. So all this sort of work is, you know, when you're trying to think, should I write a blog post about the competitors or not? I don't know. That should be based on your market research and your market sizing. Uh, so this is the competitor research. We have these sheets that we put together where for every single, you know, don't read really too closely. It's all sort of, you know, I, I didn't bother to obfuscate any of the stuff. But the point is that uh, the point is for every single competitor that you have, you should know uh, precisely you should know why people buy that competitor instead of you. Uh, and, you know, and you shouldn't be kidding yourself because you, know, you shouldn't be sort of thinking, well, I don't know, people are just wrong. There are very, very good reasons why people buy from your competitors <laughs> and not you. And if you don't understand that, you can't come back with a strategy which says, um, one, of the, one of the classic things to do with competitors, you should be in a position where you can say, I know why people buy that thing. Uh, I'm not afraid of that reason why they're buying that thing. I'm even going to talk about the competitors. So a classic trick that we play, it's a trick, it's a strategy, is um, <laughs> if a particular competitor comes up, we all say, you know, such and such liquid base or whatever. We say, it's a great piece of software if you're a small organization. We have, we have some people we've spoken to, enormously successful working with that company with a small team of four or five people. But I know that you, you know, Lloyds Bank have got a thousand people who are trying to use the software. Let me talk about how our software is different for that. So there are all these things you can do if you truly understand your competitors, which, uh, which help the salespeople out enormously. Buyer persona work, we do an awful lot of work on buyer personas. So one of the models that we've taken from Sirius is this idea of having a, we, you know, we, we sell to a buyer group, a group of five, six people who buy our software. It's not just one person who buys our software anymore. So we have in-depth analysis from talking to these people of, you know, a particular, so if you're talking about somebody like a chief architect, uh, it's not just what their job is. It's like, what are their sort of emotive attributes? What are their challenges? So a chief, this is just an example, a chief architect, um, his or her problems are primarily about trying to balance the kind of tech teams and the business who are sort of fighting against each other. The tech teams want to do all sorts of things. The business are getting fed up with those things. The business are getting fed up with the tech teams implementing stuff that never works. An architect's life is actually quite a sort of a, is a lot about arbitration between different groups of people. It's not about bits of technology. If you understand those things, you can sell to those people better. Uh, the narrative, so the narrative is the story, you know, What's the, one of the number one jobs of any marketing person, they're a storyteller. So what's the story that you've weaved around your, your products and, and the competitors? And then this is just, I mean, we have tons of sales enablement material. So then, you know, this is just an example of something where we help, help the salespeople understand the different stages of customers so that when they're talking to a customer, they can say, oh yeah, you're a really mature customer. We should be selling you X and Y. Actually, you're a kind of a newbie to this world. We should be selling you Z instead. So I've sort, of, I've sort of rattled through all these things. Um, that's just an example. That's essentially what a product marketer does. The, my last couple of slides just to say where to find out more. So I've mentioned this book, April Dunford. Um, this book called Obviously Awesome, which is about positioning. The great thing about that book, and I would recommend it. I don't get a fee, but I would heavily recommend it. The reason it's so good is rather than just describing what positioning is, it's a practical book that tells you how to do it. It's a series of just do this, this, and this, and you'll do great positioning work. And, and she makes a really good point, which is positioning is it's one of the most misunderstood bits of marketing work there is. 
and it's the bit that if you can do it, it makes you incredibly valuable because there's almost nobody in the world who can do it really, really well. So it's just a career tip, I would say. Um, the, the second one is the Product Marketing Alliance, which is a really good website. They're actually, we've discovered it quite by accident, but they have, um, they have a Slack channel where you can ask questions about, you know, what do you do about sales and what do we do? Um, they've got job postings. Um, it is quite US-centric because that's where all the product marketers live, but um, there's a lot of really useful stuff on there. Or come and talk to me. Those are my, uh, those are my sort of uh, links there. Uh, I'm here for the rest of the evening, so please come and talk to me as well. And that's it. <laughs>